Welcome to Sage Spirituality. Reach back, lean in, and seek out a deeper relationship with God as we journey through the Gospels with your host, Joel Marbin. Hi, I'm Joel Marbit, and welcome to Sage Spirituality. We're so excited to have you here for our newest episode. As we continue our journey through the Gospels, we're getting so much incredible feedback, so much, uh, man, just encouragement through this time. I believe wholeheartedly if we can spend more time with Jesus in the Gospels, there's probably not much that we can do that would transform our life more than just spending time with Him, hearing His voice, and, and helping us to discern in this age where there's so much noise surrounding our lives, exactly what the will of God, what, literally, what would Jesus do? It would help us just to kind of get ourselves in tune to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, before we continue on in our journey through the Gospels in this episode, I want to ask you for a huge favor. Rate this, share it, subscribe, and uh, just do us a huge favor. Write a review. Um, help do whatever you can do to help us continue to extend our table and bring more and more people here to Sage Spirituality with us. Some people that really, really need to go deeper in their walk with God, and that's what we do here. We reach back in church history, we lean into the Word of God, and we are continually working and striving to go deeper in our walk with God. We can't do this alone, and we need a community to grow, and this is just an amazing opportunity for us to do this. Now, uh, what we're going to do this episode is we're going to continue in Mark chapter 3 in our journey through the Gospels, and just to remind you, you know, if you you didn't get our last episode, uh, I want you to go back and listen to that where we talked about the importance of Sabbath, the importance of... Uh, finding that rest and allowing God to heal ourselves, not just not just sedating ourselves with uh, with leisure, but learning to embrace Sabbath and rest so that we truly get the healing that we need in our lives and our emotions and our physical bodies and also in our spirit. But uh, so on the heel of that conversation where Jesus was definitely pointing at the importance that the Sabbath was not created for God, it was created for man, very, very clearly pointing that we have a we have an innate need to rest. Now on the on the heels of that, listen to how the story continues. Mark chapter three, verse one through verse six. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So he watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And these are the these are the Pharisees. These are the Sadducees that are watching to see what Jesus is going to do with this man who has a withered hand. And he said to the man with the, who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent, and when they had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Now, this is an incredibly beautiful and an important story in Jesus' ministry. And when we see it in light of the previous episode that I mentioned, 
we can really see uh, this thing kind of opening up. Uh, they were they were so set the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders they were so set on their own opinions, their traditions, their prejudices. They couldn't even see the man that was suffering in their presence. You know, in their belief, you can see this throughout, again, when you read the Gospels, that there was this long-held traditional belief that if someone had a handicap or an, a sickness or something like that, that it was a result of a sin. And we see this specifically in the case of the man born blind. When the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus had the opportunity to reinforce that tradition or to absolutely blow it away. And he made the decision to blow that away and just say, that is not biblical. So just because someone has a sickness or because someone has a handicap does not mean that person has sinned. He says, no, no one has sinned. This is taking place so that God the Father might be glorified. Now, Jesus was kind of upsetting the fruit basket in this in this day on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And, you know, I, I want to refer here to John Chrysostom, one of our great church fathers. Listen to what he said about this whole story. He said he hoped that the mere sight of the misfortune might soften them, that they might become a little less spiteful by seeing the affliction and perhaps out of sorrow mend their own ways. But they remained callous and unfeeling. They preferred to do harm to the name of Christ than to see this poor man made whole. You see, they were being led not by the Spirit, not by the love, not by the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They were being, they, they felt justified in their tradition. They felt justified in their prejudice, and they felt justified in their hard-heartedness. You know, they just thought specifically that man is a sinner because tradition had told them that that, that sickness would be, come as a result of sin. And they, it just allowed them, it justified their inaction. It justified their callousness. And Jesus here is trying to show them, give them an opportunity just to have their heart softened, just to become human again. Leave their robotic rigidity of legalism and actually become heartfelt humans again. But they missed it. Now, what are the things we can take away from this lesson? And I think this is pretty pretty impactful if we will really take time to just embrace what this text is teaching us. The first thing that we can walk away from this story with is the realization that it is, it is always the right time to do the right thing. I'm going to repeat that. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Now, that means as Christians, we are not allowed to have situational ethics. Situational ethics means I do something in one moment, I, I don't do it in another moment. For example, you know, when do you lie? Well, I only lie when it's to prevent people from being harmed or something. But as Christians, we have a mandate to do what's right when it's within our power to do what's right. Listen to what James said, James chapter 4, verse 17. This is what the Apostle James said. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, 
It's not a good thing. Nope, he doesn't say that. He said, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do the right thing for him in a sin. When we know that we should help someone that's in need, when we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we should forgive, when we know that we should help, that we should reach out a hand and we don't do it, it's not just a missed opportunity. Friends, as believers, it is sin when we can do what's right and it's right at our fingertips. It's a sin. Now, Listen to what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, the time is always right to do what is right. This is a man who was, who was driven by conviction. He knew that there were times that, uh, that he was going to suffer for doing what was right, but he was willing to suffer. Now, the great novelist Pearl Buck uh, said this. He said, you cannot make yourself feel something you do not feel but you can make yourself do right in spite of your feelings. <laughs> That's a powerful, powerful realization. I'm, I'm going to repeat that one. It says, you cannot make yourself feel something you do not feel, but you can make yourself do right in spite of your feelings. Just because we don't feel it doesn't mean we don't do it. Just because there's no emotion attached to the doing of right doesn't mean we don't do it. We can overcome our emotions and do the right thing. Now, 17th century theologian Cornelius Lapide had an incredible insight. Listen to what he said. He said, therefore, Christ teaches us that not to do good on the Sabbath to a sick person when you are able is to do him evil. But it is never lawful to do evil. Therefore, it is always lawful to do good to such persons, even on the Sabbath. For the Sabbath is devoted to God and good works. Now, what he's understanding here is he's saying, listen, not only he's taking it, Lapidia is actually taking it another level. He's saying, just like in the book of James, just like the apostle James said, if we can do good and we don't do it, my friend, that is sin, and sin separates us from God. Now, the second observation that we walk away from in this journey, this episode as we journey through the Gospel of Mark, we understand that Jesus' example teaches us that just because you do what's right doesn't mean you'll be understood, nor does it mean you'll be celebrated. You know, in verse 6, when the Pharisees saw that he had healed the man, what did they do? They didn't, they didn't applaud. They weren't in awe. They weren't saying like, wow, Jesus talked to us about doing good works. They actually started planning to kill him. They started talking to the Herodians, looking for a way to betray Jesus and get into his life and kill him. Now, David Cottrell, a business leader, he said this. He said, doing the right thing isn't always easy. In fact, sometimes it's real hard. But just remember that doing the right thing is always right. You know, I think a really good example for us as believers is Joseph. In the book of Genesis, we see Joseph and his story reflected in, you know, in Potiphar's house where he ran away from the temptation of sexual sin. He wasn't celebrated. He was put in jail. They lied about him. They betrayed him. 
and and when he helped the uh, the the two men with uh, the the dream interpretation, one of them was executed, the other one was promoted. And what happened when he did the right thing? The one that was promoted, he forgot about Joseph for years. And we can understand, and I think many of us have been in the same situation where you do what's right, and many times by doing what's right, you're just not celebrated. Now we do. I love what Mark Twain said. He said, do the right thing. It will gratify some people and astonish the rest. If you'll just do the right thing, I can't tell you how many times doing the right thing has gotten me into trouble. But one thing I always understand is this. If I do the right thing and I obey God, then what I'm doing is I'm saying at the highest level that I trust God and I trust my outcome to Him. See, I don't many times when I when I do what I know is wrong, I'm doing that in an attempt to control the outcome. And realistically, when I do what's right and I put my faith in God, I realize that no matter what happens, the outcome belongs to God. That's an incredible release on each one of us. Now, 1 Peter 2:20 says this, God will bless you if you have to suffer for doing something good. I think there's a verse that maybe you should put on your dash or maybe you put it on on the front of your cell phone for a little while until you have it memorized, until you realize that if you suffer for doing what's right, for doing something good, then God's going to bless you. Your blessing comes from God. President Theodore Roosevelt, he said this, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. I think those words are so important. So many people sit back and they do nothing, thinking, wow, I'm just going to be exonerated. But guess what? Inaction is the same as wrong action. I would rather make a mistake in an attempt of doing the right thing than to do nothing and know that I could have done something. The third and final observation in this uh, text on Mark chapter 3 is when we realize that doing what's right in the most difficult of times, many, many times, will be our highest act of praise. It'll be our highest act of praise. It'll be the greatest way when we choose to do what's right, even at the most difficult of times, it'll be a high act of praise to the Lord. And, And see we come to a conclusion. We have to realize that what we do, we do for him. We don't do it at an attempt, in an attempt to control an outcome. We trust him and we trust the outcomes to him. You know, we should always remember Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary, this is what the Apostle Paul said, of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You know, if you find yourself in a situation where you're just having to do good day in and day out, in a situation where you're not being celebrated and people are not recognizing it, uh, and, and you feel really tired, maybe it's hard, maybe you're getting persecuted for doing what's right, standing up for what's right, I want to encourage you right now, don't lose faith. God is, number one, God will bless you, as we heard First 1 Peter 2.20, but also as Paul said, you're sowing the right seeds, and you're going to reap the right harvest. As the the founding father, Benjamin Franklin, said, 
remember not only to say the right thing in the right place, but far more difficult still to leave unsaid the wrong thing at the tempting moment. Now, so we're talking about there are times that doing the right thing is just shutting our mouths. We know that we can't say something positive. We know that we can't say something. Maybe we can't even say something uh, true. And the best thing we can do is learning to control our tongue and just shutting it down and not going deeper in a hole by, by our opinion, by offering our, our, our opinion or our, our prejudice or our, our tradition. It's better just to keep our mouth shut. Now, Abraham Lincoln said this, and I, you know, I know that I'm quoting a lot of politicians today, but on this particular thing of doing what's right, so many times some of our founding fathers and our, and our older politicians, they had such an incredible conviction of right and wrong. And listen to what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, when I do good, I feel good. When I do bad, I feel bad. And he said, that's my religion. You know, I can, I can absolutely concur with President Lincoln and say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I, I absolutely positively uh, love theology. I love reading big, thick, dusty books that no one else wants to touch. Those are the ones that interest me the most. But I have to say, our religion as Christians is really, really simple. Just don't do bad things. And do good things. And if you do good things, then God will bless you. God will control the outcomes. And you'll feel better about your life. And you will not reach your deathbed with regrets and with weight of undone efforts. Now, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. It means even when you're at work even when you're in your car, doing the right thing when no one else is looking. You know, God's called us to a life. I know this is a very simple right and wrong message in a podcast. But, you know, we live in a world where I've seen way too many Christians throw to, to one side the right that they know that they're supposed to do. They know that they're not supposed to say these things. They know they're not supposed to act this way. They know that they're not supposed to reflect the world around them. They're supposed to reflect Jesus Christ. But somehow in their mind, they feel justified. They feel justified in attacking other people. They feel justified in judging other people. They feel justified in, in, uh, in criticizing their enemies and coming against those who are persecuting them, which is probably one of the most anti-biblical things we can ever do because when we read the gospel and we spend time with Jesus in the gospel, over and over we hear, you're going to be persecuted, but you're going to pray for those who persecute you. You're going to be done wrong, but you have to forgive those who are going to do you wrong. And you do those things because God in heaven is in control and he is controlling the outcome. I want to tell you one more time how grateful we are here at Sage Spirituality that you're a part of our community. And I do want to remind you, rate, subscribe, and continue to listen with us and come to the table. Don't forget, look back to our last episode and just check out the need that you have for rest. You were made 
for rest. You were made for eternity. And uh, I just don't want you to miss out on that last opportunity we had because that was pretty special stuff. Thank you guys again, and God bless you.